Justin Tucker, the senior, on to try a 40-yard field goal out of the hold of Cade McCrary. The final play of the rivalry. Good snap and hold. Tucker's kick is up. Justin's kick is good! It's good! Welcome to the Texas Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Lockby. Once again, joined by my brother, Clint. This is the first episode of our overtime, brought to you by the Piskin Podcast Network. How you doing, brother? Hey, pretty good. You know, um, it, it took us a minute to kind of figure out what we wanted to name this these episodes um, as far as podcasts go. Uh, for those that have kind of watched us um, and had an opportunity to, to follow us on YouTube, know that we do a few lives a week and we kind of answer as many comments and questions as we possibly could get to. Uh, but what we decided to do here is go back and, and try to find good questions and good comments and, and answer them um, on our overtime show here on our podcast. Uh, so really, really excited about uh, doing these episodes um, and kind of go through the questions um, that some of our listeners and followers um, have asked us. So uh, without further ado, uh, we'll kind of just kind of jump into it. Um, so Jeffrey K. Um, asked us if Casey lo- loses the quarterback battle, would he transfer uh, if he does, it leaves true freshman uh, Charles Wright as a backup. Your thoughts on obviously a hypothetical situation because we don't really know at this particular point when we're making this this podcast on if Casey would leave if he doesn't win the starting position. I hope not. Again, we're we're all about competition, and you know if he does happen to lose his job to Hudson Card, you would hope that he'd continue to compete throughout the fall you know, to put himself in a better position to, to again, take the job at a later date. Um, and listen to his media availabilities. Casey seems like a really, really good guy. Uh, but you never know. Again, Casey's ultimate responsibility is to Casey himself. And he came to the University of Texas trying to start at, at the quarterback position at the University of Texas. And if he finds he can't do it, it's always a possibility, especially in this day and age where, where the transfer portal is, is frequent frequently visited by everybody, especially at that quarterback position. So do I know if it's going to happen? Absolutely. I don't have an idea either way uh, and, and would hope that he would remain in the program, but it's always a possibility. And yeah, like you said, if he was to transfer out, it, it brings up the, the fact that behind him and Hudson Carter is a true freshman in Charles Wright uh, and a couple of walk-on quarterbacks um, uh, to be that backup will be that primary backup if he, if he chose to transfer. And that's a scary situation. Uh, but we understand that Charles Wright's a very good football player. Again, before he accepted the scholarship offer at the University of Texas, he was sought after by Matt Campbell, uh, Iowa State's head coach. And we know we watched his film. We know he has arm talent. He just doesn't have the experience. So whether Casey gets the job or not, and I know we talked last night on the live that we feel like if it's that close, then you got to take the what you've seen last. And that was Casey's performance against Colorado. So I would hope that um, if they're that close, that you would probably take the upperclassmen uh, and this has to be part of that decision-making process for Coach Sarkeesian, in my mind. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you're kind of just – we're talking in hypotheticals at this particular point um, as of the 22nd of August because nobody knows who uh, Steve Sarkeesian is going to name his quarterback moving into 17, September 4th uh, against Louisiana. You know, obviously, knock on wood, you know, any players one is an injury from having to step on the field uh, and, and play. So, um, to me, I, I don't – 
necessarily see if Casey Thompson does not get starting position that he leaves midseason. Because uh, if he, even if he goes somewhere, he's going to wind up having to sit behind someone someone else anyway, get into a winter conditioning program, get into the spring, and then uh, really not even have an opportunity to start until next year. Because I think this, I think the cutoff for the transport portal to be able to play this year anyway is like July first. Um, so it wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be an, uh, really an option for him to be able to play anyway. Um, so I think he would probably you know go through the season and then uh, look at his options once you kind of. Uh, get into you know, probably the winter, but you also want to probably make a decision before um, some of these recruits that you currently have out of the top recruits that are currently um, in the 2022 class, uh, make a decision on where they want to go as well. So um, our thoughts, again, this could change. Uh, but like Jeremy said, um, I think the, the race is really, really close to this particular point, just based on experience alone. Uh, I would probably have to say Casey gonna, would win the job, but Hey, if it doesn't happen, we'll, we'll see what happens with the quarterback room after the fact. Um, on to the next question. Um, hope I don't screw this name up. And I, so a question from Haskanu. That's what I'm going to say it, or Haskanu. Um, if both Worley and Moore play outside, uh, do you believe they can beat press coverage handle uh, and handle a season based on their height and weight, uh, the hits and tackles they're going to take throughout a season? I'll go ahead and take this first. Can I take this one first? Um, so I, I kind of went back and I did some, some research and, and, and got some statistics here. One, I, I don't think you're going to see them on the outside as much. I think, um, and Jeremy may talk a little bit about this as well, but I think motion and two way goes, is going to give these guys an option to be able to get off press coverage a lot easier than if they were to be on outside one-on-one, uh, press coverage on the outside. Number two, if you go back and you look at, as far as the hits and tackles piece, um, if you look at the, the, the 20, uh, the 2020 draft, and you go back and look at the wide receivers that were drafted in that class. I'm going to kind of go through some height and weights for you here. Uh, Devontae Smith, six foot, 170 pounds. Uh, Jalen Waddle, five foot nine, 180 pounds. Kadarius Tony from Florida, six foot, 193 pounds. Uh, Elijah Moore, uh, five nine, 178 pounds. And Rondale Moore at five foot seven, 181 pounds. So you, you can tell what, what the NFL is looking for, and they're looking for these guys that they can put in a, in a slot row, uh, in, in, a, in a slot row, give them a two-way go uh, and use their speed. Um, and, and receivers over the last couple of years got really, really smart. When they catch the ball, they get down in the NFL so that they don't have to take those big hits if they know that they can't take it to the house. Uh, your thoughts on this question? So I'll go back to the press coverage piece first. It would not be ideal to have uh, Worthy and Moore outside, but – that's going to depend on Whittington and O'Meara's availability and how they're playing. Because again, we want the best players on the field. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Joshua Moore played a lot outside uh, last year for the University of Texas, so he has experience playing outside. It's again, it'd be ideal to have those two speed demons in the slot as a two way go. But I think, like Clint said, you can motion them and, and get them moving to where they're going to be stuck on a safety. It's going to be dictated by scheme. So ideally, you want these guys working in the slot, but more shown that he has the ability to play outside. I don't think there'd be anything different with with Xavier Worthy. I think he could play outside, and they could both beat press coverage based upon scheme. Based upon the scheme, uh, as far as like Clint said, their diminutive, small nature. I guess that's the rationale for answering the question about hits and tackles. Uh, and Clint kind of kind of said it. You know, when you think about a guy like Rondell Moore, you think five seven. You think, you know, smaller diminutive receivers like Devontae Smith. And these guys were, were juniors and seniors. Uh, so they graduated and went to the pros at this at that height weight. 
dimension. So like Clint said, you got to be economic with your body. Uh, you got to know when to get down uh, and then just just be safe. Be, be as safe as you possibly can playing the game of football. We understand that it doesn't really matter what size you are. If you get hit with a certain angle with a certain size player that you could you could tear up your knees or or get a concussion. So more than size, I think it's just, like you say, being economic, getting out of bounds when you get out of bounds, coming across the middle, try to get down if you're going to take a big hit. Just my thoughts. Yeah, I think that this question goes back to, to, to the wide receivers not being able to get all press coverage last year. And Joshua Moore being one of those guys that was having a hard time being on the outside, getting all press coverage, uh, creating that space um, so that Sam could could get them uh, without having to fit it into a tight window each and every play. So I think that's where that really that question comes back to. But again, I think that you you scheme uh, which you'll see, see which you'll see from Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, it is really uh, goes back to schematics and, and getting guys in, in, in two way goes in motion um, so that you're not having them. Um, you know, especially with their stature on, on, you know, one of your bigger cornerbacks at probably six foot one, six foot two, you know, 190, 200 pounds, um, having a hard time getting off press coverage. So um, on to the third question here um, from Austin Palmer. And the question says, hey, let's talk wide receivers, which we just did. So this would be uh, another wide receiver question. Uh, uh, just because Coleman can recruit doesn't mean he can develop them. I believe he needs to shine this year or we find someone else. Too much talent in the wide receiver room for someone not to be a star. Your thoughts on our wide receiver development? I mean, this is two components to this is, is last year we had a lot of guys moving in and out. We kind of talked about it last on the live. We had 11 guys catch 15 or more balls. There was constant rotation in the wide receiver core that you didn't really have an idea. And I kind of equated it to, to running a post route and then being able to run a post corner on a, on a cornerback. Uh, if I'm the guy running the, the, the post, he's going to see tendencies of me. And then if I get an opportunity to run a post corner on, maybe I can get it. Maybe I can have an advantage. Uh, just the intricacies of the game. But I think a lot of it has to do with that constant rotation. And again, the guys we're talking about, Troy O'Meara, that uh, didn't play last year. Jordan Whittington has had multiple injuries. We talked about Jake Smith going in and out of the lineup last year. Uh, so yeah, the talent is there. The four and five star recruits are there, but they haven't had the ability to, to get on the field and stay on the field in a consistent manner that would make them stars, like Austin says. So, again, Andre Coleman, when he had a group that, that was able to to stay together and play together, uh, I think he did pretty well. Uh, like you said, uh, he's he's a holdover along with Stan Drayton that, that, that stayed on this staff. So, yeah, I would think that Coach Sarkeesian would watch him a little bit closer than he does his other assistants, or or he would have an eye on him. Uh, but, again, I think the guys that are on the, in that wide receiver room need to play consistently in order for us to be – be able to see what Andre Coleman has gotten out of them. Yeah, I think Steve Sarkeesian, you know, kept uh, Coleman for for a specific reason. I think he had tried to get him at other locations to come on the staff. So I think he he, he believes in in what Coleman does as a wide receiver coach. Um, but again, it, it's one of those things we talked about on the live. You know, it got into you know uh, when was our last you know thousand thousand yard receiver, and we go back to to Devin Duvernay in what 2019 class, and then uh, you know before that was what uh, a if I'm not mistaken, it was L.J. Humphrey before, LJ Humphrey before that. Um, but I think this rotation piece, I think getting out of, uh, of the habit of rotating in and out wide receivers, you know, uh, it's okay for a guy to tap himself on the helmet when it's, you know, 4, 4.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. He needs to drink water, tap yourself on the helmet, go get you a drink of water um, so that you can kind of make sure that you're hydrating, get, get back on the field. Um, but again, went back, went back and did some numbers. And again, this very, very high standards you're talking about, really, really high standards. Um uh, and if you go, I think it's a possibility that 
you have an opportunity to have two 1,000 yard receivers. Um, and I think uh, it'll come from these three people. I think Whittington, Moore, uh, and Worthy all have an opportunity because I think they're big play threats uh, to be able to get the ball, you know, um, you know, across the middle, as you've seen an RPO game on a quick slant and take it to the house. Um, and I think you'll see it because yards for yards for really catch is what gets you those thousand yards. Um, so if you go back and look at it, obviously Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith, 117 receptions, uh, damn near uh, 1,900 yards um, when you're looking at it last year. But behind him, John Mechie, 55 receptions for 956 yards, 44 yards shy of 1,000 yards. And then someone in, in Jalen Waddle that only played, I don't know, four or five games because of an ankle injury last year, uh, 28 receptions for 520, 581 yards. And I know that John Mitchell came in after Jalen Waddle had got injured. So the chances of him having probably plus 1,300-yard receivers in that same wide receiver room between Jalen Waddle and, and Devontae Smith, I think it's a possibility that you that Texas could actually have two 1,000-yard receivers. But it goes back to two things, right? Those two things are, can our line pass block good enough to create, you know, obviously put us in situations where we can pass the ball quite a bit? The second thing is how many carries does B. John Robinson get with that running back room and how much do you lean on to them? How much do you lean on them uh, per game, you know, in the game so that, you know, it minimizes how many times the, the quarterback has to pass the ball. Just some thoughts on that. Yeah. Just, so. and it kind of takes me back to our discussion last night about how many, how many yards the running back room can get. And I pushed the envelope. You know, I said that I felt like they could get 3000 yards. To me, that's the most important piece. Is is last year we were able to to run the ball at a pretty good clip, and I feel like if we're able to run the ball at a pretty good clip this year, uh, and Bijan's going to get twelve games worth of carries and not six games worth of carries, it's going to open up the passing game. I think they're going to have to drop people down in the box if we if we're able to run block the way we feel like we will be. They're going to have to bring safeties down. Linebackers are going to be close to the line of scrimmage, and then hopefully, like you said, one of these three guys can consistently. Uh, all three guys can consistently stay on the field and then the production will come from that. I'm excited. I'm really excited about this offense. Again, it's, it, it runs through Bijan, uh, but like you said, bring guys into the box and then, you know, you got to take advantage of those, those shots that you have over the top across the middle in those zones or whatever, whatever your that defense is running. Next question comes from Tyler justice uh, with two weeks remaining until the opener. And again, we're making this podcast as of August 22nd. Uh, do we find out who starts a quarterback this this Monday, which would be uh, the 23rd, uh, or does Sark drag it out longer? Your thoughts on when he makes the decision with the quarterbacks? I've always thought it was going to be Monday. Again, the players have off today. I think he said they're going to start game preparation on Monday. He said there are going to be some facets that they keep still keep uh, that look like fall camp, but for the most part, they're on game, you know, game one preparation. I think the closer – it gets to Louisiana, and there's still uncertainty of who's going to lead this team out on September 4th. Um, this leads for, for kid, kids to, again, get asked questions by the media that they don't need to address at this point. Once you're on game week, man, the focus needs to be on Louisiana and not your own roster as much as it possibly can be. So I think it's going to come Monday at the latest, probably Wednesday, uh, that you're out, you know, that 10 days. Because I think Monday and Tuesday are going to be install days where you're going to be doing a little bit of Louisiana prep. But then once you get to Wednesday, Thursday, uh, somebody's got to be known as, as, as the guy going out to take first steps, in my mind. So I think it's, I think it's two, 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 
two times you have an opportunity, right? I'm not sure when his next uh, media availability is because he will be asked that again. Now that we've kind of got into prep week, he's got there. Hey, who's starting quarterback from the University of Texas? Uh, if it doesn't come there, I think Wednesday, I think Monday and Tuesday, I think they're working on the two deep at this particular point. I think Wednesday, Wednesday, they, they start actually, you know, I think the student, I think the students go back to school at that particular point. They start, you know, prepping for Louisiana. Um, uh, eyes are going to tell you who's running with the ones when it comes to Wednesday morning. So um, whoever's running with the, I, I, who, I think whoever's running with the ones on Wednesday morning is your starting quarterback come September 4th against Louisiana. So if it's not told by, Steve Sarkeesian, a meet availability somewhere between Monday and Tuesday. I think Wednesday when they go back to work, I think the cat will be let out of the bag because I think whoever's running with the ones on Wednesday is probably going to be, it's probably about a, a say a 90% chance that guy's probably going to be your starter for Louisiana. Yeah, totally agree. And then, and then, so, you're, then you're worried about, you know, snap distribution for Louisiana. How many snaps is the starter going to get versus the two guy? And again, the first topic we talked about was possible transfer. Hopefully that, that doesn't happen uh, with either one of these guys. They may or may not get the job. Uh, but then, how many how many reps does Charles Wright continue to get uh, in, in game prep week? Uh, but yeah, can't, can't get here soon enough. Uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian already knows who he's going to start. He just says he's not going to let the media types and guys like us know uh, exactly what that decision is. But I think again, if you get closer to Wednesday, I think that decision has to be let known because again, you don't want your student athletes to have to continue answering questions about. Other positions on the football team. Yeah, I think it just it, the, really uh, if it doesn't come out, it comes out anyway. You know what I'm saying? Or people start speculating because they see things. You know, and I think it's just easier for the, to to be able to answer that question versus people speculating because really it's just it's building undue drama leading up to September 4th against Louisiana. You currently don't need um, in and around the program. Uh, so our last question here comes from Rhino 830. Everyone is talking offense or defense, but no mention of special teams. How much of an improvement do we have this season, and how does Dicker do? I'll go ahead and answer this question first since you answered the last one first. Um, so uh, it comes down to me and Jeremy's favorite word of complementary football. I think you have to have your offense, your defense, and your special teams working together to have the best possible football team you can. Uh, coach Banks is obviously one of the best, you know, one of the best special teams uh, coaches in the country. Um, take. Again, I think you're going to see less binder this year. I think if you find yourself in a situation where you get within field goal range and um, it's an opportunity to take the points or go for it, I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to take the points. And I think Dicker, the kicker, is going to have a more – I think what happens is a lot of the times it's it's questionable if he was going to go kick a field goal or not kick a field goal. And I think sometimes that can really mess with, you know, uh, really – uh, probably like a golfer swing. You know what I'm saying? Am I going to go in? Not going to go in. Am I going to go in? Not going in. I think I think it'll create some stability. Um, I think you know, Coach Sarkeesian will create some stability by allowing Dicker the kicker to go out there and kick uh, field goals. Uh, but it also comes down to punting and be able to flip the field. Um, and I think that uh, Dicker the kicker sounds like he's going to kick do kickoffs, punt, and uh, field goals, kicks, and um, and punt. So I, I think him and his big leg flipping the field and allowing the, the defense to get out there and work and make the, the uh, opponent's offense uh, run the uh, entire field is going to definitely be important. Yeah, let me take it back to Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks said in his media availability, he's been coaching special teams for 21 years, um, and, and Cameron Dicker is the best kicker he's seen. And he put it on himself. He said, i got to be economic with how many times I make him kick in week to make sure that on Saturday he's ready to go. And I love Jeff Banks 
total view of the football team and, and how it affects special teams. When he's talking about DeMarvin Overshone, it's going to take this many staffs at defense, so I could probably only have him on one specialty team. But they're talking about playing starters on the special teams, but he's but he's taking a total team approach when he's deciding who he wants on kick return, who he wants on punt return, and who he wants running downfield uh, for, for, for punt coverage and kick coverage. So I, I think you'll see more starters on the special teams. I think you'll see more um, the guys that we see on the offensive defense, but I think he's going to have a, a conscious approach of who these guys are and, and where where they where they're most needed uh, to, to benefit the special teams. But yeah, I think Dicker's going to have a phenomenal year. Uh, again, I trust in Jeff Banks. Uh, he's one of the best that's ever done it. So just excited. Again, another fast of the football game that, that needs to be complimentary. Uh, and I think it will be uh, led by Jeff Banks. So that was fun getting out here to answer some of these questions and comments that we don't have an opportunity to answer on YouTube on our lives. Uh, our first episode of what we're going to call the overtime uh, was really, really, really good. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this content. Um, it, you can find us on our podcast channels um, on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio, and there's a few other ones I know that people have asked us to kind of put out there. Um, so we'll be working diligently on that over the next uh, uh, few days. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Texas Football Talk. You can find us on Instagram at Texas Football Talk, and you can find us on Twitter at Texas Football Talk. We appreciate you listening as always, and y'all have a wonderful day and hook them. Hook them.